Nice little warm-up there. He's been working on that for a while. <laughs> Space Jam is a, uh, a movie that is watched very often in our house. As it should be, yeah. Those of you who don't know, Dion is a huge Michael Jordan fan, so anything Michael Jordan is... That's enough out of you, all right? <laughs> but uh, freedom. Freedom. Common theme that uh, obviously we've been talking about this last week in America. And uh, that's what I want to talk about today. But not just freedom in general, but really freedom in Christ. And so I want to start by playing a short video with people's idea of freedom. Freedom is doing what you like to do, regardless of what other people have to say about it. Freedom is pursuing happiness without violating the rights of others and not being dependent on anyone or anything. Freedom is the right to speak, to express whatever you want, and to fight for the right thing. Freedom is having the right to wake up in the morning and do what you want with your life. Living your own life, making your own decisions, and being who you want to be. Freedom is the right to bear arms. It's the ability to shape and create your life. Freedom isn't really something you do or something you have. It's the ability to be self-determined. Freedom is a white paper where you can draw everything you want. It's... It's an attitude, it's, it's a way of life and a quality of life. Freedom is standing for what you believe in. Freedom is the ability to express yourself. Freedom is no slavery. That's more how I think of freedom than anything else. So many different definitions of freedom right there in that video. Some of them you may wholeheartedly agree with, some of them you may say, oh, I don't know about some of those. But the actual definition of freedom is the exemption from external control, uh, interference, or regulation. The state of being free or at liberty rather than in confinement or under physical restraint. That's Webster's definition of freedom. One that's not so far away from that definition that has to be, we have to be very careful of, especially as believers, would be anarchy. <laughs> the absence or denial of any authority or established order. Now, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So the Bible tells us right out in the open, right out front, that we are free. God has set us free. Now, if you really read that in context, uh, those of us that have received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior have been set free, free from the bondage of sin. That's what this is referencing. And if you look at the region of Galatia at the time, they were actually battling the, the, the Jewish leaders at the time were trying to teach that you still had to be justified by the law, that it was still going to be by following the law and being trying to be perfect is how we were going to get eternal life. That's what those religious leaders were teaching at that time. And so Paul, trying to jump in and, and straighten some things out, he, he wrote this to the region. So if Christ has set us free, what does that look like? That's the big question. So many things that happened in our society, even recent, we think, well, it's all for freedom. Everything is great. Everybody needs to be free and do whatever they want. Everybody can do everything. But is that really the picture of freedom? Is that really the picture of being free in Christ? So if we really look at Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13, that's where we'll start today. The Bible says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So there's really three things that I want to point out. To tell you what freedom in Christ looks like, I'm going to first tell you those three things that it definitely is not. And at the end, hopefully, we'll see the picture of what true freedom in Christ is all about. But the first thing I want you to understand is Christian freedom is not liberty to please our flesh. Paul was very clear in this portion of Scripture. It is freedom from sin, but it's not freedom to sin. There's a big difference. A lot of times people have the attitude as well, I'm forgiven, I'm set free, I'm a Christian, I can do what I want, God will forgive me. He will forgive you if you're repentant. If you turn from that sin and ask him to forgive you, which usually means that you'll do your best to try to stop that sin, (laughs) not celebrate it or continue in it. He did set us free, but not so that we can just continue on a sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Up on the screen, I don't know if I can read that or not. Yep, there we go. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now, again, in context, this portion of Scripture, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, is using their phrases back against them. The church thought, hey, I'm free. I, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm set free. I can do all these things. And it doesn't matter at all because I'm forgiven. And he called that out right away. We jump down to verse 18 through 20. This was the issue that the Corinthian church was dealing with. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So so glorify God in your body. As I said, the, the Corinthian church in particular, they were corrupt with Sexual sin, all different kinds of sexual sin. And all of those are in the same boat. Not one is higher than the other. There's no hierarchy, even though it seems that way in the United States of America. They're all equally bad. And I would go even a step further to tell you that these sins would even be a little bit step higher than maybe some of your other ones. And you say, what do you mean? Sin is sin. Sin is sin in the sense that all sin separates us from God. But Listen, stealing a piece of chewing gum is not the same as committing murder. We understand that. We know that. And here, Scripture tells us 
that all other sin a person commits is outside the body, but a sexual immoral person sins against his own body. That would be a higher degree of sin. That would be something that would possibly carry a higher punishment or a higher discipline. Different things, and that's what the church was, the Corinthian church was doing. Paul straightened it out. Tells us it's not our, our freedom is not liberty to please our flesh. We need to abstain from that. Sometimes it's so easy to say, well, you know what, I, you know, I can go out and I can do these things, and, and we just ignore the fact that the Bible is very clear. It tells us not to do that. The second thing that Christian freedom does not allow us to do is it doesn't allow us to injure someone else. And this one is so clear. This one is very important because I, I see this more times than not in the Christian community. We all say, well, I got the freedom to do this. I have the freedom to go out. I have the freedom to go hang out at the bar. I have the freedom to drink. And yes, you do. I will always fight for that freedom for you. That's what the Bible says. It's not a sin to drink alcohol, but it is a sin to be drunk. But what the Bible also says is if you cause another brother or sister to stumble and fall, you are in sin. And in fact, uh, not just one place, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record Jesus saying that if you cause even one of these little ones to stumble, it's better for you to be thrown in the lake with a millstone tied around your neck. In case you don't know what a millstone is, you will die. (laughs) It's a big, huge stone, all right? If that's tied around your neck and thrown into a lake, you will die. But so many times I hear people say, well, I have the freedom to do this. I can go and I can party and I can do these things. And maybe so. Maybe you, in and of yourself, you are not in sin. Maybe you are not getting to that point where you are drunk. Maybe you are not doing some of these things. Maybe you're dating people and you're not getting to that point of sexual immorality. But maybe the way that you act is causing somebody else to stumble and fall. That's why for me personally, I just... I don't drink. I don't have a problem with it. Like I said, it is not sin. I'm trying to make that very clear. I'm not casting stones at anybody. But for me, in the office that I was put in, to me, I want to be sure that I'm above reproach. Do I still screw up and make mistakes? Sure, I struggle with a lot of other things. In fact, it wasn't necessarily an easy thing. I am actually one of the few people that actually like to taste a beer, right? But for me, I would much rather abstain from that and make sure that I'm not causing anybody else to stumble and fall. And this is not, I'm using it as an easy example because of myself and my experience. I'm not, don't, I want to make that very clear. I'm not charging this at people in the church. But it's the easy one for me to say. I've never had a problem with drugs in my life. I've never touched them. Never smoked a thing in my life. Those have never been issues for me, right? That was an easy one that I could use as an example. So for me, I choose not to just because I don't want to cause somebody else to stumble and fall. Because then I'm in sin. So our Christian freedom doesn't allow us to injure somebody else, doesn't allow us to cause somebody to stumble. And really what's amazing about it is a paradox because we have the freedom from sin, but then yet we're slaves to righteousness. We're not not slaves to God because the Bible calls us sons and daughters of God when we're born again, but we do need to be slaves to righteousness, which brings me to my third point. Christian freedom is not freedom from God's law. This is where many people miss the boat on this one. Because you're free from sin, because you have this freedom of being a Christian, doesn't mean that I don't have to obey anything, that I, the laws don't apply. Now, let me make this very clear. We are not saved by the law. That's what that means. When it says we're free from the law, that means that we are not saved by the law. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. This is not like the Old Testament where you tried to be good enough or 
some of the churches that I grew up in where it said you had to be good enough. Not your fault. You didn't know at the time, right? Some of us in here have been in those kind of churches. But there's a huge difference from trying to earn your salvation by keeping the law or being a slave to righteousness, like I said. Because Christ came, he died on the cross, that doesn't mean that the law is obsolete. It doesn't mean uh, that all those things pass away. We don't have to worry about them. In fact, we, we learned a lot of this stuff from the messianic side of it that we're fortunate enough to learn here at Grace. We're still expected to know and to follow his words and his laws. It's not for us to dismiss things because we say we're free. We should, more than anybody, because we're free and slaves to righteousness, should be the ones that are modeling those laws of God and following them and doing our best. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 14. I believe I have that up there on the, on the screen. And for the sake of my eyes, I'm going to turn to it here. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must not must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God and Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but pre present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace." What then, are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So we see Paul using... The slave terminology as an illustration to, illust to show us really how easy it is for us to be slaves to righteousness. It's a struggle because our inner man, we know body, soul, and spirit. When we're born again, our spirit is born again. But we still have this flesh that we carry around, right? And the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, that we need to crucify our flesh daily. That is going to be a process. Flesh is going to want to do things. You think about Apostle Paul. Man, great Christian. Everybody thinks of him as that. He said, he said himself, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things that I want to do, I don't do. If that was a struggle for Apostle Paul, then that, you can guarantee it's going to be a struggle for us as well. So here's the chance for us to put those things aside. For us to, to live in that freedom that God called us to live. 
We don't have to maintain that standard of holiness by ourselves. God gave us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us to be able to empower us to do that. Last thing I want to share is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. And this is where I believe it all comes together. Again, I'm going to turn to this so I can read it clearly. Chapter 3, verse 17. Very familiar verse for many people. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now let me break this down a little bit deeper. I read this, I don't know, a year or two ago. It really opened my eyes to what this really means. So it says, the Lord is Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we look at Psalms, we look at King David, he talked about, where can I go that you're not here? He's talking to the Lord. If I go to the highest mountain, if I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. So we understand through Scripture that God is omnipresent everywhere at all times. So if God is everywhere at all times, then, then this Scripture right here that says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if we look at that and we say, well, he's, he's omnipresent, then, then that means that everybody is free. Let me ask you a, a question. Is everybody on this planet free? Is every place on this planet free? But, hmm, that's interesting because it says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There isn't freedom in brothels, bars, prisons, some hospitals, even some denominations, some churches, neighborhoods, schools, homes. There is no freedom. So then really what is this scripture saying? If we were really to look at this, it should read like this. Wherever the Spirit is Lord, that's where there is freedom. That's the difference. That's what Paul's talking about. The Spirit of God is everywhere, omnipresent. But yet we still have slavery. We have all kinds of terrible things that happen in this world. There's not freedom everywhere. But that is the key to success. That's the key to Christian freedom right there, wherever the Spirit is Lord. See, one of the things that happens in America today is we all want a Savior. We want to be saved from our sins. We, we want to have eternal life. We want to be forgiven from the wrong things we do. But especially in America, then it takes the next step to being Lord. Lord of our life. The Lord means supreme authority. Supreme ruler. That's where a lot of us in America miss the boat. See, I go overseas, and a lot of people, they understand this right away because of the way they're set up or the way their government is. They understand kings and princes and all this type of thing, hierarchy. We don't always understand this in America. But if we can put this in a proper perspective, if we make the Holy Spirit, if we, if we keep him Lord, then the rest of our life has freedom. That's the difference. So many of us want to really compartmentalize our life. Well, here, here's my job. It's right here. here. Here's my family. It's right here. Politics here. Friends here. All this stuff. Now, God, I'm going to allow you to be here, here, and here. But God, you know, this is mine. I'm not going to let you be Lord over this, right? I'm not going to be, let you be Lord over this. I still want to live my life kind of the way I want to live it here. So I'm not, you're not Lord of that. You can be Lord of a couple things. That's not the way it works. He is our Lord and Savior. They go together. You don't 
You don't get the saving privileges without having a Lord. <laughs> you can't pick and choose what you want. Where he is welcomed as supreme authority, then we have freedom. You want to have freedom in your life. You honor the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that's with us on this planet. Right? We know that, that God the Father and Jesus, is, he's up sitting at the right hand of the Father. So the Holy Spirit is who we have. He is God, and when we make him Lord of our life, then we have freedom. Then he gives us the empowerment to make those decisions, those tough decisions that sometimes they say, hey, you know what, I need to step away from this because I might cause somebody else to stumble and fall. And even though I may not be in sin, I might be causing somebody else to sin. That's where real freedom is. The Bible says that they will know us by our love for one another. That's love for one another when you can see, hey, you know what, that person, maybe they've been struggling with that. Maybe their testimony is God delivered them out of that. Do I want to put them right back in that situation? <laughs> I think of a, a family member that, that we have that went through a terrible, tough time that, that was an alcoholic. And, and praise God, she's been delivered from that. I'm sure it's still a struggle, struggle at times, but... All in all, she's been delivered from being an alcoholic. But what always drives me crazy is whenever we have family get-togethers on that side of the family, and all her siblings crack out all the alcohol. And I'm not just talking about a couple beers here and there. I'm talking about everything. I mean, the whole nine yards, everything you can, everything you can imagine. And it always hurts my heart. And part of it I understand because they're not believers, okay? So i got to keep it in the proper context. But it hurts my heart because I think, man, what, what are the struggles that she's experiencing right now? And even though she may say, hey, it's okay, you guys do whatever you want to do, it's okay. Man, I know what it would do to me. I know I would struggle if that's something that has been a weakness in my life, something I've been trying to overcome. And it always hurts my heart when I see that happen. So for me, that's why I make the decision. I'm not telling you today that everybody needs to make these, these tough decisions, and, but you need to examine your life. Absolutely, I'm telling you that. I'm not saying get rid of everything in your life that might be questionable. I'm not saying that, but I am saying take account. Look at it. See if it's things that really are helping you or maybe hindering you or hindering other people. And, you know, you can't finish a, a message on freedom without using an excerpt from one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> William Wallace knew a lot about freedom. I think one of the last sentences in the movie before they killed him was freedom. If that counts as a sentence, I don't know. It did last about that long, so maybe if you have that many letters, it constitutes a sentence. Wendy, I don't know. Are you with me? She's teaching. doesn't constitute. But I made this little short video I want us to watch. Hopefully it's going to work. It was working at home. There we go. may not be able to see it so well. But you'll be able to hear it. This is the brand new synthetic. We can't keep insisting that they are gadgets. We have made them. And hopefully that... Is that the cut one? You've come to fight as three men. And three men you are. What will you do without freedom? Sorry, guys. You've come to fight as three men. And three men you are. 
What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? and you may die. Run, and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here? Will you play, Lauren? Close enough. Sounded like it was on twice, but that's all right. That was a tough thing to try to do. It was working at home. When we got here to the church, it was not working. So he gives this speech. And for movie buffs out there, it's, it's always in the top ten of some of the greatest speeches, riling up speeches. Heard of football coaches and basketball coaches that have played this before their team's going out for a big game. And so I thought about this, this speech that he gave. And I tweaked it a little bit, a YouTube remix, if you will, something that maybe applies a little bit more to us as believers. So I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of God here in defiance of sin. You have come to fight as free men and women, and free men and women you are. So what will you do with that freedom? Will you fight to share the gospel? Will you fight to share that freedom that you have? Will you fight to share? Or, or, or will you fight against sin? The crowd responds, no, no. Fight against sin? No, we will run. And we will live the way we want. William Wallace again, fight. And you will die to self. Run and you will live at least a while. The Bible even says that sin is fun for a season. In dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, one chance to see God change someone's life by the power of the gospel shared by you and to tell Satan, you can never take my freedom. So many times we're consumed with ourselves. There's a war going on all around us. Our duty as the army of God is to love one another, to share the gospel message, to share the freedom. Freedom doesn't come from living in the United States of America. Freedom comes from being forgiven of that sin that you have in your life. We've all done it. We've all made mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the only way to be set free, the only way to have true freedom is to have that relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. To have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit live inside of you. To have Him dwelling in your heart. That's true freedom. That's what life is all about. So will you stand up and fight? Will you stand up and share the gospel? Will you fight against sin? Or will you lurk the other way and just condone it or move on? The world needs to know what freedom is. And those of us that are believers, we have the answer and we know what it is. But now we need to stand up and tell it. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful 
that you've picked us for this time, this season in history. I believe it's one where we will see the church, the real church, the true church arise to stand firm on their faith in you. Lord, I thank you for placing us in this country where out of all the other countries in the world, this is, this is one of the greatest places you could be. And we do experience many freedoms here. Lord, but as a society, many times we abuse those freedoms. And we know why we have those freedom of choice, or freedom of choices, Lord. We know that there always will be consequences for bad choices. So, Lord, help us to make the right choices. Help us to stand firm on your truth. Help us to live by the Spirit, that we don't gratify those things of the flesh. Help us to keep you Lord and not just Savior. With all the heads still bowed and all the eyes still closed, there may be somebody here today that would say, you know what? I don't have that freedom. I don't have that freedom in Christ that you're talking about. Maybe you grew up in church, similar to, 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 to what I was brought up in, where it just kind of said, hey, if you're good enough, then maybe one day you do enough things, you go to church, you can be a, you'll be a Christian. Maybe you think you've got to earn your way to Christ. It doesn't work that way. It's a free gift. But you do need to receive it. Maybe you've never heard about Jesus to Christ. Maybe you never realized that it's a true story, that he really did die over 2,000 years ago. And then... Rise from the dead three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave. Today's your day to be set free. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to make anybody stand up. I'm not going to make anybody come up here. But if that's you today, if you say, you know what, Andy, I, I need to pray for that freedom. I need to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I need to be forgiven of that sin. I don't want to be in bondage to it. I don't want to be a slave to sin. I want to be a slave to righteousness. I want to be forgiven of those things that are holding me back from truly having freedom in my life. If that's you, then I'm going to ask you to do one or two things. Whatever you feel more comfortable with, you can simply just look up at me. And I'll look around, I'll make eye contact with you, I'll know that, that you want to be prayed for. Or you can raise your hand right now if that's you. I see your hand. Is there anybody else to say, you know what? I want to be set free. I want that freedom that comes only from a relationship with Christ. Anybody else? I'm just making my way through to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Awesome. This is that prayer that I want to lead you in. And listen, so that, that person that raised their hand doesn't feel ashamed or embarrassed about doing this, I'm going to ask that everybody in the room would repeat this after me. We'll do this as a unit. We'll do this as, as a family, as a team. But for that person that, that raised your hand, man, that, that's so bold of you to do that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. For it's with our heart that we believe and are justified and it's with our mouth that we confess and are saved. That's how you become a child of God. That's how you become born again. That's how you become a Christian. All those things, it all means the same thing. That's how you get freedom. And so that, that person that raised their hand doesn't feel ashamed or embarrassed about doing this. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this after me. And if you really mean this in your heart, then guess what? That Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. You're transformed. You're set free. You're forgiven. So everybody in the room, repeat this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. 
And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I realize that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. He died for me. On the third day, rose again. Defeating death. Defeating hell. And the grave. Holy Spirit coming in my heart. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Help me to live for you the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's give the Lord a hand clap. Somebody was born again right here this morning in our building. That's something to celebrate. The Bible says that when one person receives Christ, every angel in heaven rejoices over that one person. There's a party going on in heaven for you right now. I want you to know that. And I don't know about you guys, but I like parties. I like to celebrate. <laughs> and so I want to say congratulations. This is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. Your life will never be the same. I'm not promising you it's going to be daisies and roses. I'm not, tell, I'm not telling you it's going to be perfect. But I will tell you that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. It says he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. No matter what everybody else in the world does to you, he'll always be there. And I want to encourage you to do a few things. I want to encourage you to be in a church. Maybe this is the place for you. Maybe it's not. But I encourage you to be in a good Bible-believing church. I want to encourage you to pray. Prayer is simply just talking to God, just like we talk to each other. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's going on. Thank him for another great day. But be in that habit of prayer. Not just for your food, but all the time. And then I want to encourage you to be in this right here in the Bible. Our basic instructions before leaving earth. This is what life is. This is our, our key to success in life of knowing God's will, knowing his heart, knowing how to live, knowing how to be set free and stay in that freedom is right here. And so I want to encourage you to do those things. And I promise you, he'll be there. He'll see you through to the end. So church, man, I'm excited. That's one thing that, that can happen for me. If somebody gives their heart to the Lord, I get excited. I get fired up. Because <laughs> that's what it's all about. So my charge to you guys is this. We're set free. Now let's go do it for the world. Let's go start in our neighborhoods. Let's go start in our communities, our workplaces. Let's share that freedom with people. Man, amazing story. Some of you are doing it. Some of you are doing it. A great, amazing testimony of Al Deering's mom that gave her heart to the Lord. What? How old? 95 years old. That's why I always say I don't care if you're 5 or 105 because that... Kind of, I don't want to get anybody out of that loop. 95 years old. And I hear it was a struggle. And I know you guys prayed for many, many years. But they fought. They stood tall. They kept the faith. They kept sharing. They didn't shrink back when they, when they were disregarded or when they told we don't want to hear that. They kept pushing forward. They kept sharing. And they kept believing God. It's as simple as that freedom thank you jesus let's pray father we love you lord we praise you and we thank you for souls saved lord thank you for lives being changed lord i pray for our church lord i know in our heart of hearts we want nothing more than to serve you and to honor you and do our best to live for you and to be free lord help us to walk that freedom out every day of our lives help us to model that to people who are in bondage to sin who need to be set free, that we have the answer, we have the key to set them free. Lord, help us to put our faith in action and use that 
to help be those instruments of freedom. I pray for blessings on this church, blessings on the leadership, Lord, as you direct us, as you show us where you want us to go and how you want us to do it, Lord. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Make us bold. Make us full of love and help us to stand on the truth. Lord, bless my friends here. In Jesus' name, amen.